the Remarkable People podcast. Check it out. The Remarkable People podcast. Listen, do, repeat for life. Hello, friends. I'm David Pasqualone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Remarkable People podcast, The Nate Rifkin Story. Nate is a remarkable guy, as you're about to hear. But before we go into his story, I want to say thank you for the patience to our listeners who are here every week. First, I made a bozo mistake and took a three or four week break between season three and season four and not say a word. And then after releasing just one or two new episodes of season four, I took another three weeks off that wasn't expected. So if you are listening and binging or catching up on episodes, you're a new listener, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Everything's just there. But for the listeners around the globe who come every week and share in our community, thank you for your patience. I'm truly sorry for the inconvenience and Lord willing, it won't happen again. Now, this week, we have Mr. Nate Rifkin. Mr. Nate Rifkin wrote The Standing Meditation. But before he could get to this point in this lifelong journey, he's going to share with us his childhood and the adjustments socially that he had to make when he entered college and how most people are dreaming big and thinking, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Nate had some experiences professionally and personally that brought him down to spinning a sign on the side of the road. What he thought would be a temporary job ended up being three years. So get your notebook, get your pen, get ready for a remarkable story. Nate covers a ton of material that leads up to his standing meditation book. And if you're like, I'm not into yoga, I'm not into meditation. This is good stuff. Nate is going to connect with you and me in ways that you're probably not expecting through this episode. And then he gives us great techniques to mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and physically engage our bodies and our souls and our minds so we can find balance. And that's what's cool about this cover. You'll see it looks like really the deepness of a tree. Like if you cut a tree in half and you can see those age lines and it shows the root system. And some of you are listening, not watching, so I apologize, but check out the show notes and the link to Nate's book. But just like God says, we should be like trees planted by rivers of water, right? Have deep roots and we sway back and forth, but we never break. That's what we're talking about in this episode. So I'm David Pasqualone. This is Mr. Nate Rifkin. Enjoy this remarkable episode. Share it, like it, love it. Tell your friends about it. And let's do what we can to change the world, starting with us. Love you and enjoy the episode. Hey, Nate, what's going on, brother? What is going on, David? Oh, man, it's been great chatting with you these last few minutes. And I know now I just explained to our remarkable audience who you are and a little bit of what they're in store for today. So we're just going to jump right in, man. So like we discussed, you're going to tell us your story. You're going to go through the highs, the lows, the in-between. And don't just tell us, you know, oh, yeah, I was able to start this multi-million dollar company. I was able to overcome cancer, whatever happened in your life. But you're able to say, hey, this is what I did. And this is how I did it. That way we can learn, too. And yes, we'll sir. Yeah, man. Then we'll transition to where is Nate today? Where are you going? And then we'll help you. So thank God he did this all for us. Thank God you're here today. And buddy, share with us your remarkable story, Nate. I, absolutely. And uh, I'm glad you mentioned sharing not only the highs and the lows and in-betweens, because I can start with a whole lot. In fact, I can start with having to kind of crawl through my person, my own personal hell. Because, you know, I, to set the stage, I grew up in a pretty dysfunctional family. It was a very emotionally shut off family. You know, parents were just really not, they didn't really know how to raise children. So when I, when I was a kid, I was really, I didn't know why. And I was socially awkward, did not make friends. So as I as I grew up and I got older, I got more and more depressed. I, I was still just an, kind of an awkward kid. My grades were terrible. I was getting like D's and F's in junior high school. But I kind of thought to myself, well, you know what? When I get out of here, 
you know, go to college or something like that. Anything to get to out of my house, I, I'll change. And in fact, I could start over because I'll be around new people. I can act like a different person. So somehow I managed to get into UMass Amherst because I, I grew up in Massachusetts. I, I don't know how I got in. So maybe someone dropped my form in the wrong basket or something like that. But what, what part of Mass are you from? Bedford. Oh, Bedford, Mass. I'm from Milford, Mass originally. Small world, man. And you went to UMass, ZooMass, UMass Amherst? <laughs> ZooMass, yes. All right. Well, I you... haven't heard ZooMass in so long. For our listeners and from the New England, you know exactly what we're talking about. For the rest of you, UMass was a great school. But it's UMass, huge. Huge. And they have four or five campuses. Oh, yeah. it's just, And each, like, one of them is, like, the size of a big campus. And the whole thing is the size of, like, a... The, it's bigger than like the town it's next to. Yes, it's yes. And UMass Amherst was quite the party school on top of a great education. Yeah. So they yeah, call it ZooMass. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Back I'm, to your I'm, story, man. Yeah. I'm like off in another world. Like, oh my goodness. Yeah. He's Zoom. having flashbacks now. We're going to have to pause yeah. the recording. Uh, yeah, no, but right? our, hey, our listeners uh, are used to my tangent. So sorry. Man, that's good. That's right good. Back, huh? No, it's perfect. Yeah. And I, when I mentioned Bedford, I made sure to do the accent as best I could, but I, I never really had one because Bedford was a pretty, um, I think it's because it had the Air Force base next to it. So there's a lot of transients there. So there's, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like as solid a community as other towns, but anyway, so yeah, went to ZooMass and here's the thing though. So talk about how it's like a big school. It's a party school that actually ties in perfectly because here I am, this like kind of weird, shy, awkward guy. It's not shy in a good way. It's just shy in a way where I couldn't make friends. So I'm surrounded by all these like people who are there partying and I'm, I'm feeling like a loser. Like I, I get there and I realize it doesn't matter if I just move to a new place. I'm the same guy and I still don't know how to cope or how to function or how to relate to people. So I still that same loser in my mind. I got more and my grades there were I, I tried at first, but they started slipping. So I started thinking to myself, you know, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to be a business owner of some sort. And I, the only light in my life at this point is like working out, lifting weights at the time. And I want to do something with that. So I'm like, do I really need a college degree? Is anyone going to be like, hey, hey, what's up, Nate? Where, where, where's your diploma? I don't see that on your wall. I'm like, I don't think anyone is going to bug me for that, both in the business world and any potential client. So I decided to drop out. After three semesters, I dropped out. No one missed me. I didn't say goodbye to anyone. And from there, I actually got to my real education, which was studying marketing and studying copywriting and studying advertising. And I did so, I mean, basically what if I found any information I could, this was like 2004, 2005, around that area. And I mean, the internet had been around for a while, but you have to remember, this is a time when Facebook was still a thing for college students. Like it was, it was a different internet. So it, it, it was like young, it was just beginning. So I'm like, you know, this is a good opportunity for me to be able to study marketing and start a business that actually generates customers online. Um, so I, I, I joined some like seminars, started learning and educating myself. And I actually started a business. One of one business that I started was with my brother selling yoga products online. He was like the talent. I was the business marketing side of it. So I thought everything was going to work out great. Here's the problem. Even though I could like write advertising copy and I had a knack, a bit of a knack for marketing, I was terrible at all the fundamentals of business, like basic stuff, like keeping track of accounting, gross profit, net profit, separate business bank accounts, that sort of thing. And I was using all my own personal credit. So I started, even though I had some wins overall, I just, saving for taxes was another thing I needed to do. <laughs> overall, I started going deeper into debt. Oh, that in yeah. America, for the, our listeners overseas, yeah. it's a different system. But in America, you don't pay your taxes, you go to jail. You literally could murder somebody and get less jail time than not paying your taxes. Literally. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not an exaggeration. They're, they're brutal. And yeah. I, yeah, I could, I could, I could share with you from personal experience as, as I'll tell you later, like sometimes they could be a little slow to react to when they come down on you, they come down on you. Yep. And they take everything. 
He sees everything. <laughs> so yeah. So if you're listening, when Nate says he didn't put away money for taxes, that's a big, that's a yeah. big, that's a big stressor down the road in his story. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> David's like, oh no, dude. Here I make, I put like it's like you know the Bible talks about how you give your first <laughs> to God, the ten percent. But yeah. I'm like, okay, my first, it's God is first, but I got to portion out the government part. So I don't shower with men. I don't want to go to prison. Mm-hmm. It's like God and the government are my top of my list. Not because I want to give to the government because I don't want to be in prison. So yeah. go on, go on, man. I just wanted to sure. let, let our listeners know in other countries, how it works here. Sure. Yeah. It makes total sense. Probably the, the biggest issue though, was that I was still that same depressed, awkward guy, except now I was trying to channel my escape into like as much self-help as I could. Like when I'm here, I'm going to finally be happy when I'm here. I wasn't using this language specifically, but it was as if like, once I make this much money, finally I'll love myself or develop some sort of a spiritual relationship with a higher power. But as far back then, my mindset was just was, I got to make this work. I want to make this succeed. I want to be successful. I want to finally start like getting some dates or something like that. And I was just channeling all my effort into my business. So what eventually happened was I I never really achieved a single goal I set, even though I set goals and I was working hard and I was like visualizing my success, but something was missing. So I spiraled deeper into debt and I got so depressed that I started drinking alcohol every morning, like vodka in the morning and mix it with an energy drink. And around this time, I, I was starting to have suicidal thoughts and this is ongoing. And the only like, temporary relief I got was that if I knew of like something I felt so awful and I hated myself so much and my thoughts would just loop and loop I'd be like well tonight when I go to bed at least when I wake up in the morning I'll feel a little bit better that was like my only relief so that's kind of before we go on you just unpacked a lot and it's very important let's go back a little bit because you mentioned a couple things so you grew up in a dysfunctional home and how many brothers and sisters did you have? Uh, one older brother. He's about four years older. Okay. I was young. I was a kid. Okay. And then, so as your story, you haven't figured out, you survived your childhood, but you didn't really figure out how to heal. So that's where we're getting to. Now you mentioned working out. You're like, that's the only thing I did. Did you start that in high school? Did you start that in college? When did you start working out? And what kind of effect did that have on you? Because I know that's a big help usually. That Yeah, that's actually a great question. I should, I, yeah, I'll, I, I should talk more about that. So I started lifting weight early in high school. And I mean, I had some, to, to be really specific, I had some start and goes. Like, you know, I pick it up for a few months and I drop it. But I really got serious, like junior, senior year of high school. And that's when it became one of the top priorities of my life. And it was it was lifting weights in the high school gym. And you, David, you'd love it. It's one of these like awesome gyms where it's like, there's no air, there's no AC. It's just a bunch of bent, rusted barbells. It's like, this is good. That's all. Yes. <laughs> I, the- we... <laughs> down in the the basement was it the down in the basement kind you know it wasn't wasn't in a basement but it was like next to the athletic field sometimes they open the doors and it was just like it was like yeah it's stunk yeah Yeah, i hear you and just you know for those of you watching the podcast and those of you listening to the podcast nate looks like clark kent so he's like you can tell the dude works (laughs) out he takes off his glasses and he's superman but but i agree with you dude the best i have a i made a shirt that's on my website i'm not trying to pimp product but it says it's not a workout without a hoodie. Because if you're not sweating and you're not killing yourself, to me, it's not a, it's not that deep workout. But I remember the basement locker room in high school. And then up at the very top, there was a, like an observatory deck in the pool room. And oh, okay, it was cool. so hot and sweaty. I used to go up in there and just run and run and run. So that mental pushing of killing, like not killing yourself, but you know what I mean? Torturing yourself. You, yeah. loved, you loved it. You loved it. Yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely. Because you know what? That was the one time in my life that I could really feel into my body and feel really good. And it was the one thing where I'm like, I'm consciously transforming myself. Now, I had some pretty hit or miss, miss success because I didn't really have a coach. So I just go in there and I don't know, I'd, you know how it is. You read like some magazine article and try something out. But I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And it was like, it was a Zen thing. I did, again, I didn't have any of this kind of language. I didn't know what it was, but just usually I was in there alone, which is kind of sad that no one else was working out at the gym after school. But it was, it was just really like Zen thing. And that's really why I was 
that became my kind of career passion because it was the one thing. So I'm like, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to make something out of this more than just me working out. And it was my first introduction to how, if you focus on your body, that can actually be a, a superior gateway to change your mind. Because when I got into self-help, I'm just like, oh, it's all about thinking. It's all about thoughts, positive thinking, change your thoughts. And I would just end up adding more energy to my thoughts and loop and loop and loop. And it was a disaster for me. And when I started drinking every morning, I actually, I mean, at this point, I was giving up on lifting weights. It, it was a rough time. I probably could have been more ingenuitive, but I like couldn't afford like my YMCA membership where I was at at the time. So things are going downhill. Okay. So um, yeah, I just yeah. want to touch on that. But so like, basically, if you're listening, working out, it releases just endorphins and chemicals that God put in there to help you feel better. So for guys like Nate and I, who come from dysfunctional backgrounds and are struggling with depression, it helps. But then when you get sad, you bury yourself deeper and you start cutting that out and then things get worse. So if you're listening and you're feeling that way, get to the gym after this episode because it really helps. And Nate's going to keep talking about it. Yeah, seriously. Heck, if, if you're just doing the audio thing, <laughs> start working out right now while you listen to us. Yeah, know? I do. I listen to podcasts at the gym. It can be a great time. So so that was like my low point. And I was, I was bitter and jaded because I'm, I'm thinking to myself, everything I've tried hasn't worked really. Like all the self-help stuff, like I really visualized, I really set goals. It's like, I don't know what's going on. So, but I, I, I had a fortunate kind of turn of events, or at least I had, I had a good opportunity that I could grab onto because one of my mentors who was teaching like business and marketing, he was also into like meditation and a spiritual tradition called Taoism. And I wasn't, I didn't have a spiritual life. I didn't have any connection to um, God or anything like that. It just wasn't in my mind, but he started talking about, it. you know, there, there are these like you know, people in over in China who study Taoism and they'd like, you know, meditate on mountains or in caves and stuff. And they're like, develop these powerful martial arts skills. I wasn't even a martial artist at the time, or but I still thought it was cool. So, but so, and that was an interesting thing because it's just like, I tried meditation. I don't know. It left me just kind of feeling hazy, but this got me excited because it appealed to my, that was the thing, even though I was like a really depressed guy, I mean, my ego was firmly in charge. So I, I needed that to like, get me excited about something new. So he, he taught meditation kind of a different way. And I didn't like, I know a lot more about it now. I didn't really understand it back then, but I, I could follow directions. So he, he taught me a meditation that was a lot more body-based. Instead of just kind of sitting on a cushion and just kind of like watching thoughts come and go, you'd actually engage your body. So the meditation was done in a standing position. And, and the basics are you tuck your hips as if you're sitting on a super high bar stool. So you kind of have to tuck your hips like forward a little bit. You unlock your knees and then you actually hold your arms out in front of you like you're holding a really big beach ball. So when I tried this, I'm like, oh, unlocking my knees, that's fine. Well, within like a minute, my thighs were cooking. Like it's, it was weird, especially with your hips tucked because you're taking all your body weight and you're transferring it to your tendons. You're no longer just like, you know, like standing in line at the bank. You're just, you're staying there with the knees locked. You could do that all day. This is different. So I would be doing that and I tuck my chin down. So I'd be like straightening my spine at both ends, like giving yourself a chiropractic adjustment. So it was very body-based. And what I realized was that, or, or what I experienced and later I thought about it was I was engaging my mind to position my body in a certain way. And during all this, you have to relax into this stance and breathe deeply. So you're facing a physical challenge but you can't just grit your teeth and get through it. You have to relax into it. So I was training my mind and body to relax in the face of a challenge and withstand it while having a calm, quiet mind. So again, I was just like, oh, I'm just doing a meditation, but I was learning a metaphor for how to walk through life. So it's a good thing that I started doing this because I forgot to mention by the way, David, I have to say this because it's so pertinent to what we're talking about. Like, I think it was about a year earlier the I had not paid my my taxes. So <laughs> yes, that. So you are not kidding. Like I woke up one day, check my bank account, zero. 
zero balance on my bank account. I'm just like, this, it has to be an error. I mean, if something's zero, it's like, it's got, I don't know. So I call them up and they're just like, oh, oh, the, actually the internal revenue service uh, just made a withdrawal of all your, all your funds. And I'm on, I'm on the phone with them. I'm just like, oh yes, of course, of course. Yeah. I'm laugh- <laughs> so, oh, we yeah. can laugh about that now, but back oh, yeah. then that was not funny. Right. No, no, because of course that was right after I'd just written a check to a vendor, a big check. And I'm just like, I I had to email, I didn't call, I didn't even call me, didn't the guts to call. I emailed the vendor. I'm just like, hey, the I just like, you know, what am I gonna do? So I say, the IRS just vacuumed my bank account. Could you please hold off on cashing my check, even though you haven't? Could you hold off for like two weeks? And they replied, just like, okay, yeah, sure. And that was a cool lesson, actually. It's just like, you know, in the business world, people understand. You just gotta be. Just a friend of mine named Rex, he has been in business longer than I've been alive. And he has three rules when you're, when you face a money challenge like that is number one, you tell the truth, you know, just say it. Number two, reach out to the other person proactively. You know, you don't wait around for them to like, well, Hey, Hey, Nate, what's up? Where's the money? It's just like, no, you reach out to them. And number three, you pay them regularly as little as you can, but you send them something. Like like my friend, he started out paying someone $5. Like I think it was five bucks a week or five bucks a month. Just because imagine being the person on the other end. It's like, hey, I, I haven't been forgotten about. They're not running away. I'm actually getting, and, and $5 turned into a larger. And it was like 180 grand that he owed. It was like a business did 180K. Yeah, I think those are three great steps in life lessons. And it's not just paying taxes back. Like you said, it's any debt, it's any relationship. Be honest, be straightforward, make your payments, be proactive. Man, I'm I think you're spot on. Thank you for sharing that, Nate. Oh, yeah, my pleasure. I I I just I literally like just remember that I had no intention of ever mentioning that, but there you go. So yeah, God had in your heart. Somebody need to hear it, man. Yeah. So so she's just down. He's like, all right, say this. So um, I did not follow that lesson. I'm chuckling now. Cause it's like, I did not learn that lesson for a long time. So I was, I was, I was, I was scared. I, I avoided. So the debt started piling up, but I was doing this practice and I didn't have the language for it at the time, but it was like, this was my time to go quiet and connect to a power greater than me. All I knew is I was just doing this practice, but I started to feel better. And it was interesting because I started to feel a little bit better every day. And it got to the point where I was, by the way, I was still drinking every morning, but it got to the point where like the, the way I was feeling from just working on myself in this way was catching up to how good I'd feel the buzz I'd get from drinking. So one day it like evened out where I was I feeling so good that when I took a drink of vodka, the alcohol just made me feel kind of drunk. I was like, well, this is interesting. What's going to happen like if this keeps going? Well, within like a day or just two days, I would do the stance. I would just like breathe deeply and relax into the physical challenge. And I'd feel pretty good. And I went to take a drink of alcohol and I actually felt worse because I was already feeling better. So I actually stopped drinking alcohol and it wasn't willpower. It's just, I didn't want to. And this, and I, I just shared, this is my personal story. I'm not saying this is going to, the same results going to happen for everyone. Everyone's path is different, but it just, it was a hint of like what was going on. And other people are like, you know, Nate, there's something different about you. You're actually kind of like opening up a little bit more. You seem more kind of calm and confident. So I was like, this is real. If other people who don't know what I'm doing are picking up on this. Okay. This isn't just in my head. So I got, I got super excited about this. And within a few months, like I had experienced where I was just doing this and I felt like my body was like lighting up and glowing. Like I, I was feeling so good from this practice. It didn't happen every time. It was just like this one little thing, but it was almost like God was dropping like a hint, like keep going. And yeah. I decided, yeah. No, I, when you're talking, it, it reminds me of the verse says, commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thought shall be established. So you started physically acting, whether it's in service or physically like training yourself. And then your thoughts started catching up. So, I mean, that lines with scripture, the pose you did or the, the stance you did, is there a name for that? If people wanted to research it or can you go through it again, the steps? Cause you said like, make sure go through that again. So people listening, if they want to try it, you know, let's see what they can do. Sure thing. So I'll go through it from the feet up. 
Okay. So, and so anyone listening to this can just, can just start. So you start with your feet facing straight forward and make the, your feet wider than the edges of your shoulders, <coughs> which is a little strange because most people are like put your feet shoulder width apart for like, a, you know, doing a squat or something like that. This is a little different. Make your feet a little wider, but straight forward. And then what you do is you roll your hips a little bit forward, like tuck your hips a little bit forward kind of like almost like you're doing a crunch with your abs while standing. And it's almost like you're sitting on a really high bar stool. So if you saddle up to the bar or something, it's like, and this bar stool is really high, you have to kind of like get your tailbone on it. Well, that's what you want to do with your hips. And as a result, your knees will have to unlock because you're pushing your hips a little bit forward. So you can't do it with a straight leg. Your knees unlock a little bit. And then what you want to do is raise your arms out in front of you like you're holding a giant beach ball. You know, let your elbows relax a little bit. Your shoulders are relaxed. Your your palms are out like you're palming a basketball and your palms kind of end up like facing your own chest. And it's just like you're holding a giant beach ball. And then you tuck your chin, your chin down a little bit. And interestingly enough, it actually raises your head up because it's it's funny to think of this, but the top of your head is actually kind of near the back of your head. Uh, and your spine, it's definitely near the back of your head. So as a result of tucking your chin, you're actually lengthening your spine. And when you tuck your hips, that lengthens your spine and eliminates the curve in your lower back. So it's like you're straightening your spine at both ends. So you'll discover when you do this, straightening your spine and unlocking your knees, you're using your muscles and your tendons in a whole different way. It's very interesting. And then you're going to start feeling a burning in your shoulders. For me, it was definitely in my thighs. But what eventually happens, I started with 60 seconds and I added five seconds a day because I'm like, you know, my body probably won't notice five seconds of difference every day. I'll get stronger as a result. And it worked. And it was actually, I kind of fell into a new way to do a habit and, and build a habit into one's life. And then once you get up to like the eight to 10 minute mark, the, the burning will vanish because you'll have adapted so much, your muscles will have gotten stronger, you'll learn to relax your muscles, and your tendons will have gotten stronger. And it's almost like your body becomes a rubber band, and you're able to support yourself, and then you can just coast. And all of a sudden, you're relaxing in the standing position, and it's you almost feel like you're floating. So yeah, and if, it, Oh, go ahead. Go, I'm sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, Anyone who's ever like studied or done Tai Chi or some kind of gentle internal martial arts form, what I'm describing here is actually kind of the inner foundation of how to do those movements. And that's kind of one of the more little known aspects of it. Yeah. And what I was going to say, I didn't mean to cut you off. There was a slight delay. Sure. Um, everything you're describing, even if somebody's like, oh, I don't want to try that just for physical body. If you don't even want the mental aspect, you know, that might be bonus. But what Nate's describing, I've done exercises like that because I had two ruptured discs in my lower back and like, you need surgery, you need surgery, you need surgery. And I started doing exercises like this. And it literally, as you stretch and get relaxed and as you strengthen your core, your body heals, wow. especially in that lower back, there's like pinching on those discs. And when yeah. you roll forward, you're relieving that pressure and you're letting blood flow and, you know, the oxygen and just healing to happen. So even if for no other reason, just structurally, what Nate said is going to help you from the top of your spine to the bottom of your body. So try it. It's, and you're going to actually, most of us are going to be like, dang, I'm so weak and out of shape. So it's not yeah. easy. No it's, no, it's not. It's very bizarre. And it's cool though, because it'll start to transfer to other areas of your life. Once I started doing this, I started developing this like kind of funny springiness. I'm not saying I turned into like an Olympic athlete or something, but it, it was just interesting how it would transfer to everyday life in, in a really powerful way. And so, did you do this exercise once for 60 seconds or did you do it three or four times? How many times did you do it? Well, it's kind of funny because at first I did once, but as the days went on, I mean, it was just like kind of so cool that I started doing it multiple times per day because I, I had time. I didn't yeah i mean i did not have confession i did not have much of a life back then <laughs> you know, I, my life was kind of falling apart i didn't have any friends so i'm like i don't have time to do much except you know watch some tv and do this and eventually i got rid of the tv so i was just doing more of the stance but uh, but eventually you know i worked my way up to doing 25 minutes at a time and i just kind of stayed at that level for a while and that's when a lot of the mental and emotional benefits started to come in because i found old emotional gunk start to like 
get burned through and resolve itself while while in this position so and then so if you like i can i can like keep going with the story is yeah this, no keep it, going with this, i okay. didn't mean to derail you but sure. you're unpacking so much okay, cool. i'm i don't want to forget yeah. or our listeners hear something they want to touch on so that's why we're going to keep going chronologically but we'll fill in the gaps and hopefully help as many people as we can let's do this so all right man so keep going all right so after the, I started doing the stance of a funny thing happened to my life, which I actually I think is extremely common. It's almost a universal truth. I was, without knowing it, I was starting on a spiritual, without knowing it, I was finally connecting to God and my higher power. I, as far as I was concerned, I was just doing a meditation, but this was my time when I was getting really more in touch with what I was meant to do and how I was meant to grow as a human being. I was starting with the inside first. I was starting with stillness first. So what happens when people start integrating that into their life for the first time is my life seemed to get a lot worse. It got more chaotic, but I had, so basically what happened was I had a business partnership at the time. This was with the two other people that like imploded. In fact, they actually shut me out of the business. They changed the passwords on me. And it was it was everyone's fault. Like I was having conflicts with them. I was butting heads with them. But ultimately what was happening is that I was being drawn on a different path. And all my income was like drying up and my credit cards were totally maxed out. So I had enough presence of mind to realize, okay, on the surface, my life seems to be going worse. But I think this is actually me really growing. And it's me being brought to a more uh, appropriate place for me. And the mentor I learned this from, he actually kicked me out of his coaching. Uh, he had a, it, I, I keep him anonymous today because even though the teachings he gave me were really helpful and probably saved my life, he, he, he's a human being and he had a dark side to him. So even he, even that relationship got cut off. So I was like alone. And, and that's I, a great, thank you for saying that because some of the most influential people in my life you might classify it as a good or bad experience. And what you said is, you know, they say you never want to meet your heroes, right? Yeah, don't meet your heroes, yes. Yeah, yeah, don't meet your heroes. But the fact is, I had a mentor in my life that God used to change my life for the better dramatically, but he wasn't a perfect person. So if you're listening to things, number one, or I shouldn't say perfect, perfect means to be whole. He wasn't without sin. Because people mm -hmm. misuse perfect. God says to be perfect. We can be perfect. He calls people in the Bible perfect. That just means to be whole. To be without sin is impossible. That's why we need Jesus. So I just want to clarify that. But when it comes to the people that mentor us, don't expect them to be flawless. And then for us, don't say you can't counsel or mentor someone because we're not flawless. We'll never be. So that's just yeah. a great point. I just want to make sure you park on that. The whole model of life is for us to be disciple and to disciple. Like you can use the word coach, disciple, whatever you want. But basically, we're supposed to be giving and taking, giving and taking constantly. Because if you keep blowing air into a balloon, it's just going to explode. So once again, Nate's just dead on. Listen to what he's saying. Take notes if you're not driving and apply it to life. No, I, I, you know, I love it. It's perfect. And by the way, I love the word disciple. I mean, it's where discipline comes from. That's the original intention. So... Yeah, I, I, yeah, I love that you mentioned that because also I think in like kind of the coaching industry, the self-help industry, there could be a really a, a tendency to put someone on a pedestal. And it's often because the, the coach in question, it, it makes, it enhances their business to try and put themselves on a pedestal. So oftentimes you can get in a place where it's just like, I can't, you know, I can't succeed without this person. But really, it's it's like you will be brought to the to the perfect teacher for you. And if one turns out to be taking something too much from you or it's not appropriate anymore, you don't have to be paranoid and stick with that person. And the perfect one will be brought to you. You're never alone. As my teachers like to say, they point up and they're just like, you're never alone. Not truly. So. So at this point, my life is going way downhill. I'm like, my credit cards are maxed out. I've got all that IRS debt. And I realized two things. One, um, I'm going to have to like file for bankruptcy here. Two, I need to get a job. And I don't have much of a resume to speak of. This was, this was around like 2009-ish. So, you know, we had that 2008 like financial meltdown. 
So I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I hop on Craigslist to like look for a job and I'm looking, it's like accounting. No, I don't have an accounting. I don't have any college degree. So I'm like, but I still want to be an entrepreneur of some sort or self-employed or business owner. I want to keep, I want to revive that somehow. So I can't, I can't chase two rabbits. You know, it's like that phrase, chase two rabbits, catch zero. So I, I go on to the category of general labor and I find a, a, a job for spinning a sign on a street corner. And it's just like, it's full time. And, and the ad is like, Hey, you can listen to music all day on headphones and it's full time. And I'm just like, you had me at full time and you had me at headphones because I can listen to audiobooks, so I can continue my self-education while getting paid, not exhaust myself mentally learning an entire new career trajectory and then go home and try and work on my business somehow. Perfect. So I got the job and I was like, oh, it'll be like a three month thing. I ended up there for like almost three years working, working for this company, but it was beautiful because again, it was a time of stillness for me. And it was a time where I could be humbled. And it's just like you said earlier, by the way, about your finances for the first time in my life, I took 10% of my money and I set it aside for myself and I took 10% of my money. And I found some kind of a charity to give it to. And 10% for me, by the way, was $30. So, and I moved into the cheapest condo I could find and, and at the time. Yeah. At the time I was living in Denver. So it was in, it was in Aurora, Colorado. I, could, I found the cheapest condo I could find. That's a beautiful um, place. I love Aurora. I love that whole area. Oh yeah. It was, it was, it was gorgeous. I mean, I was, I was the happiest I was in my life. You know, I was living like down to the bone and I'd spend $30 a week on like, I went to, no, it wasn't Costco, it was Sam's Club. And I just buy groceries. And I mean, that was it I, for, for like years. I never went to see a movie. I had no idea what was playing. I never like went out or spent any money like on entertainment or anything like that. It was car insurance. It was gasoline, 10% to charity, 10% to my own savings account. And I was just living that system. I was like, you know, the other stuff didn't work, like trying to continually like reach outside of myself and like say, when this happens, I'll start saving. That didn't work. So I, 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 I happen upon the principle that it's just like, if you start building your wealth now, then you're programming yourself to be a wealthy person. It didn't matter if it was just 30 bucks. I was now confirming to my brain that I was growing my wealth. It wasn't just something I hoped for. I was doing it. I was doing it. And that's um, a great point because yeah. God doesn't ever want us to do anything that hurts us. The tithing, the giving is just to be thankful, to be grateful, full of gratitude, to acknowledge him for all he's given us. And that's why God asked for a percentage. Because if a millionaire gave $30, it's useless. But if somebody in your position at the time gave $30, it's thankful. And, you know, that's why the percentage system was, is the right way, even for taxation, for fines, it should be a percentage, not a fixed mm -hmm. amount. Cause if you and I get caught speeding in a $500 ticket, you know, mm -hmm. it hurts, but somebody else that may break them financially. Somebody that's who's a, a mega wealthy elite, it's like, who cares? You know what I mean? But there's right. some countries that find percentage. You get a speeding ticket, it's 5% of your annual income. That's going to stop you. That's, That's going to, yeah, but tithing's the same way. Don't ever be ashamed if you give 30000 or $30. It's just the percentage, not God doesn't need money, but he just wants you to know that he's there. He provided and he loves you. Yeah. So that's yeah. cool. You found that out. It's cool because everything, if we allow ourselves to be open and real, God's natural weight will come up. And that's, that's something you just illustrated right there. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting. You know, we just have to. It's not about like, oh, I, need, I don't, I have to like figure this, like figure this complicated thing out. It's more about like stripping away the stuff we acquire as we grow up. All the, all the kind of the false assumptions we make that they don't, they don't come from the divine. They don't come from anything like that. They, they come from, you know, mom and dad or our culture or our friends, you know, it's, it's there, it's, it, it's, it's debris, 
to kind of get rid of so we can actually listen. And so the real truth can actually shine through because it's always there. It's, it's just that we need to clear. We need, It's like a phrase I've heard is like, get out of your own way, get yourself out of the way. And what that means is like, it's getting your acquired personality out of the way, yep. not the eternal you, the, but the stuff we acquire. Yeah. So, and like, and yeah. like even your decision to leave college, again, we have listeners from all over the world. So you have a different worldview, a different culture, but in America, we've been raised for the last at least 60 years. You go to high school for the first eight, you go to school for the first 18 years. Then you go to college or maybe you get a job, but they almost look down on you if you got a job and you, and you didn't go to college. You know, you're not as good of a person. Then you go to college, you can get out and you get your first job and you got to buy your house right away. And then you get a house and then you get a wife or a husband and then you have kids. And then you go all the way through life rushing, living someone else's dream because you're told that's the American dream. And then around 40, 45, people have midlife crises. And if you're watching, I'm yeah. putting quotes on my fingers. <laughs> and the midlife crisis is you finally have the time to slow down and think about what the heck you just did for the last 45 years. And you're like, what the hell did I do that for? So what Nate's saying is the societal norms, your country, my country may be different but we're all living with these norms that we just take for granted. And it's almost like you have to erase the chalkboard, get along with God and rebuild. He's the foundation, but rebuild that structure from the ground up. And that's when we find joy and peace. So keep yeah. going with your story, man, how you're finding this joy and peace. Sure. Sure. So basically this was a really beautiful time in my life because I was happy. I had that inner peace. So all of a sudden I didn't care about the trappings of like, I have to have this uh, kind of business or I have to do it this way, or I have to have this level of income. But the essence is that I was very, very happy at this time in my life. I was actually the happiest I'd ever been. And I was finally for the first time building myself from the inside out instead of reaching and grasping for something outside of me to make me fulfilled or to like give me enough outward pleasure that somehow I'd find fulfillment. So it, it was a tremendous time of inner growth. It was almost like starting over as an adult because I'd show up and I took pride in my work. Like I used to like, there's an old joke in kind of some of the entrepreneurial industry where it's just like, we're unemployable, you know, and that's why we're business owners. Well, I bought into that, but really I, I decided I'm going to be the best employee this company's got. I'd show up early every single day. I think I was late like three times in my entire career there. I scrubbed toilets. I cleaned the windows and I took pride in it. And it was actually a lot more joyful than I thought it would be. I, I, I worked this job and then actually the company went under after about like three years and I got a job loading trucks. Now the sign spinning was fun. I mean, sure. I'd get people like yelling at me and stuff like that. And had some weird stuff happened, but it was, it was a cool gig. It was, it, it was, it was fine truck loading is brutal for anyone who's ever done that. Like, like we're talking like 12 hour shifts where you do, you get like, we got like one break for lunch, but these, you have to lift thousands and thousands of pounds. And it was, it was a place that it was like a commercial laundry facility. So I was hauling dirty clothes all day. It was, I mean, my body was breaking down. It was super stressful. And I got really, I got really scared. Yeah. And sure. If anybody's, I've done that for three weeks in college and the heat because <laughs> yeah. you're in a tin can so if it's like 90 degrees outside it's like a hundred inside and then more humid so how long did you do that for oh gosh uh a few months i did it for oh, a few man. months and yeah it gets hot and in the winter of course what would happen is they had the bay doors open so i wasn't there during the winter i was there during the summer but what i heard was that the equipment would start to freeze up. So they'd have to like bring in a forklift to raise these big things of laundry. It was like, I'm like, what is this operation? This is so weird. But, uh, but it was, it was absolutely brutal. So during this time, like, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I got to do something. I was getting really scared because I, I, I like the science spinning. I could maintain it, but this is like, I got to get out of here, but I, I couldn't see a way out. So I had uh, one person I was learning from because I still wanted to like start a business or something. And he published a monthly uh, newsletter on like marketing and business and all of that. And he hosted like webinars and I, I, I talked to him sometimes, you know, I, and we actually kind of got to know each other because he, he loved my story that I'm this guy like spitting aside or loading trucks. He's like, this is cool. So one day 
it was a Saturday and it was like my first day. It was like my first day off of the, of my weekly shift. I, I woke up and I had a funny feeling. So I go over to check my computer. It was after, after I did my meditation, of course, after I did my quiet time, I go over to my computer and I look up my bank balance and it was negative like $130 or something like that. And I'm like, what is going on here? So I call up my bank and I realized what happened was I'd written a check. I don't know for what, but I wrote a check for my business or something. And I overdrew my account by like 10 bucks. So rather than bounce the check, my what do banks do? They hit me with overdraft fees and they hit me with four of them, four overdraft fees. For, so that's how I ended up like 130 bucks in a hole. So I call, I'm on the phone with them. just like, look, okay, you got me. I, I understand one fee because I'm sorry. I messed up with uh, writing a check I couldn't cover. But the extra three fees are a little excessive. And, you know, I got on the phone with the manager and he said, hey, as a courtesy, we'll remove one of the fees. You, the, the other three are going to stay. We'll remove one. I, I actually like he's being crying. so kind and generous. Yeah. I, I, and I was I, I was literally he could hear me start to cry as I said goodbye. I, did, I didn't start screaming or anything. I was just like, oh, thank you. Goodbye. I was like, what's he what am I going to do? I, I couldn't I had no power in the situation. So I was like sobbing. Um, sitting there in my condo in Aurora. And then all of a sudden, like it, it, it shifted, like what I was feeling shifted. And I, it wasn't anger, but I just got this charge. It's like the emotion turned into something else. And I started getting like really riled up. And I realized, you know, I know this person that I'm learning from this mentor of mine, he does client work, he helps companies out with marketing. And for a while, I had hesitated to contact him because I wanted to propose something where he subcontract some of his work to me. Cause it's like, Hey, you can get me for cheap <laughs> and I'll, I'll work my butt off for you. But I'd always hesitated. So the hesitation ended right there. I got up and I actually wrote him a letter and I printed it out. Cause I'm like, I'm not gonna, I'm not just going to send this guy an email that might get lost in shuffle. I'm going to write this guy a letter. And I did. And I sent it to him. And he actually replied to me and he's just like, you know, I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't have anything like lined up that's a fit right now, but we'll see. I'll see what I can do. I was like, okay, okay. So I just, I did my part and I was, I had enough sense to be like, be, be neutral about it. Don't like freak out about it. You do your part and let, let things work out as they will. Um, a few months later, he actually, um, let me know that there's a, there's a company on the East coast that was, it was a bigger company and they're hiring, like they want, they needed like marketers and copywriters. And I realized, huh, this whole time I was studying writing and, and advertising and stuff because I wanted to be my own business owner, but I was developing a valuable skill set this whole time. So I applied for the job and little did I know this person who kind of referenced it to me, he told them, that I was this hardworking guy and he'd gotten to know me and I was working these tough jobs, but still trying to succeed. So he's like, if you've got a list of people, put Nate at the top. I didn't know this, but that's what he did. And so I actually interviewed the company and we hit it off and they, they offered me a job and I moved. I gave my truck loading job or unloading job two weeks notice. My condo was month to month rent. So I told my landlord I was out. And actually it was funny because I, I was going to drive across the country. I'm like, can I leave like my bed and stuff? Because he actually worked with a nonprofit center. He's like, yeah, we actually need furniture. So I was like, do, do you want all my furniture? He's like, I love all your furniture. So I got to give away all my stuff. Um, nice. And I started a whole new life and it was different from what I thought because this whole time I'm like, I wanted to own a big business, but I actually started as an employee at a company and things worked out really well there. And in, and this, this is going back like five years. And since then I've continued to work on myself. I've continued to work on like my spiritual walk and I became self-employed. And since then I also wrote a book. And then I, I moved back to Colorado and I met the woman of my dreams. And actually we've, we got married this past September. So my life turned around. Man, congratulations. That's some big stuff. You, so or, I'm taking off my glasses. It's stuck in my hat. So where today, before we go on, yeah. 
from where we are today all the way to your past. Is there anything else we miss or anything you want to cover? Any final summary thoughts about that section of life? Oh, sorry. Can you repeat yourself, David? You, you broke up a little bit there. I apologize. What I was, Casey, you're going to have to edit that too, buddy. Sorry, yeah. man. So between where you are today, before we go on to mm -hmm. all the way back in your story, is there anything we missed that's significant that you want to cover or any kind of summary thoughts to share with our audience? You know, that's, that's a great question. I think what it comes down to is years later, I was able to look back and be like, okay, what really helped me? What really worked? Because I tried a whole bunch of stuff that did not work. And in terms of my story, I mean, we we covered all the really the big stuff. I think the final key, though, that was super cool was that, you know, I had all this trouble with the IRS. And when I went bankrupt, some of the IRS debt was not discharged. So the way, again, it works here in America and the laws are changing all the time. But at this point in time, you could get rid of debt that was older than like three years. Well, I for IRS. Well, I had tax debt that was newer than three years. So even after I went bankrupt, I had $50,000 of debt hanging over my head from the IRS. So I still had all this debt, but they, they were just like, you're so broke. And I was on the phone with them actually once and they literally, not literally word for word, but the idea was that I was literally so broke that they weren't going to harass me for payment. They were still going to rack up interest, but they would like wait for me to make more money. Well, as it turns out, I actually was able to pay off that debt. It took me years, but later I was actually able to like finally just write them a big check and get them off my back. So I think looking back though, the key points was that number one, I stopped trying to scramble for success outside of me by constantly picturing this dream life or, or setting goals that really relied on things working out that were outside of my control. If, if, if goal setting like that works for other people, that's great. Don't, in, I mean, I'm not gonna argue with what works, but for me, instead of setting goals, I switched to what are my daily disciplines? What are, what daily can I do to serve, you know, myself and my own inner growth? And then by multiplying those day after day, the outside is going to take care of itself. So I had a daily discipline of being quiet, of being open and being in a meditative state of challenging my body. And I started that daily discipline with 60 seconds. So, and I continued it and I never missed a day, never missed a day for years. And I think in the last like 12 or 13 years, I'd missed three days because those days I was like in bed with the flu. So, but, uh, and then when it came to my finances, I took the same principle. I would save 10%. I would give 10% away. So even though I was living on like 350 bucks a week or something or 330 bucks a week, and you know, I had no children so that, you know, there is that, I mean, I'm not saying someone with like five kids and who goes through a, a medical crisis is going to have like the same mathematics I did, but I was able to start turning around my financial ship because of saving even just a little bit of, uh, of an amount. So it's these ideas that there's, it, you start with these really small amounts, but it's the consistency and it's proving through your actions, through your deeds, not with your words and your thoughts or your wishes or your emotions or your feelings, your deeds. It's like, it's, it's not only proving it to the world, it's really proving it to yourself because you're the one that's skeptical. You know, so by doing that, and finally, by I was by connecting with other people, I was actually able to bring about a result that I did not anticipate because I was so lonely before this. What I didn't get is that it's the beauty and the wonder of connecting with other people and developing a relationship, not because of how you're going to transact like right in that moment, but who knows what's going to happen a year from now or two years from now, or who are they going to introduce you to? The cool, amazing breakthroughs we have are the ones that we're, we're, we will never be able to predict. So I will never restrict my life to cut out the unknown unknowns that could happen to me that are going to make a miracle in my life. From, from here on out, I do the opposite. And, you know, that's why I, I'm really passionate about talking with folks like yourself. And, and if I can just reach one person, 
it doesn't matter because now I'm in the mode of like, not like, oh, well, what's the R what's the ROI on this like today? Instead, it's about what seeds can I plant today? So yeah, that's, that's sort of like looking back on my story. Those are sort of the lessons I drew. Yeah. And it's great because, you know, if you, if somebody told you at 18, you're going to be spinning a sign, that's not your ideal life, but yet that's where you found the most joy and peace. And you had, like, you mentioned something about, you didn't have kids, you know, and everybody's in a different place, but how God worked it out for Nate is he gave him this time to have a low, low stress in the sense of job. Like you could sit there and listen to self-help and development material while you were working and you just got to plant that seed, plant that seed, plant that seed. And like you said, discipline every day, you are applying it and growing. And that's what our slogan is for the show. Don't just listen to great content but do it, apply it, repeat it each day so you can have a great life in this life and eternity to come. So what Nate's saying is just solid principle, biblical principle and practice in action. You know, it says, what's the word? The talk of the lips tendeth only to penury. That's the biblical version. That literally means talk is cheap. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you, if you sit there and talk about stuff, it means nothing. You got to do it. So what I keep finding so awesome it's like funny but in a good way is like you're sitting there spinning a sign you're happier than people who are ceos making millions of dollars you're just joyful and god gave you that respite that break that almost like hospital time to just recover and heal now let me ask you a question during that time a lot of us suffer from self-sabotage like where we're healing but we almost want to go back to that old grind did you experience any self-sabotage and if you did how did you overcome that you know, I, I did experience a little bit of it consistently because, yeah, it's just like you say, even if we're guided in a certain way, and you're right, even if we are given that perfect time in our life, there's something in us that there, we still hang on to old patterns and and we're the skeptical ones, like you, like you and I and every other person out there. So yeah, so the, but what I found is like the answers to that self-sabotage is I looking back, I kind of picture myself almost as like a dirty pitcher of water, but there's some like all our acquired stuff from when we're children or when we're teenagers or young adults that we get from society and our culture was like muck in the pitcher. And by having an inner practice, it was like pouring in a little bit of water every day. Now, if I pour in a drip of water into a dirty pitcher, is the pitcher going to magically become squeaky clean? No, but a little bit of dirt's going to fall out. And then the next day, a little bit more. So what I found was, is that even though I would engage in in some kind of self-sabotage, because sometimes I'd go chase a bright, shiny object in business, or I'd get a little bit lazy about meeting a new person or talking to a new person, or I'd fall back on looping thoughts and, you know, like self-hatred thoughts, or I'd lose, I temporarily lose a little bit of faith that things are really working out the way they were supposed to. What I'd find is that instead of trying to fight against that or trying to like make up for it, I would just fall back on what are the, what are the, what are the daily disciplines that actually helped me get here? Um, and what are the daily disciplines that have really just been such a blessing in my life and going back to those and finding that as long as I keep dripping in a little bit more water into that dirty pitcher, eventually enough dirt's going to come out that the self-sabotaging behaviors are going to start to fall away. And I found that as I did this, and here's kind of another piece to it, and anyone who engages in, in a spiritual practice who opens themselves up in that, you'll find your life starts to take on, you'll start to recognize the meaning and the lessons in it. So what happens is, it's like you said, you will get, not only will God give you a, a situation that you where you can actually kind of revive yourself and take care of yourself, you'll also get lessons. And these lessons are never oh, here's this like easy bit of wisdom for you. It's always like, okay, here's the challenge. <laughs> Let's see what you can do with it. So what I found was that if there was self, if self-sabotage came up, I'd always be like, okay, okay, what am I learning here? Like even a silly situation, like when I was outside as a science spinner, I'd have a kid come by every day and he would like make fun of me. And I was like, really? This is what my life has come to <laughs> standing on the street corner. <laughs> I mean, it was just bizarre, but I started to think to myself, it's like, there is a lesson in here. And what is it? It's the ability to confidently confront someone. 
because honestly, rare, I mean, I know there's a lot of like anger and argument arguments out there in life, but how often do we really get to like, actually be like, confront someone, be like, Hey, you know, this, this is wrong. So let's talk. And actually, it actually happened. I was actually able to like, I think the kid actually like, I don't know, he parked his bike and was like doing something or talking to someone. I actually walked up to him. He was like, hey, can I talk to you for a second? And it was amazing because it turns out he was getting pushed by his friends to, to mess with me and to bully me. And he didn't have any problem with me at all. So I was actually, you know, he apologized to me and I was actually like, hey, it's all good. It's all cool. And that was a lesson because my self-sabotage was to stuff things down. And that was an example where I could stand up for myself and actually develop a, a bond with someone. So guess what? After that happened, how many people do you think messed with me? A lot fewer because I had gotten through that lesson. So I think whenever we're hit with areas where we self-sabotage, that is a lesson being presented in front of us. And, you know, the, hey, the, the spirit realm is very patient, you know, God will wait for you to get the lesson. So it's, I think it's all a matter of like, what is it that I'm supposed to learn? And what is it that I'm supposed to do to become a better person? And then the, the challenge will often disappear. Yeah, I agree. It's almost like a video game. You have to complete that level before you go to the next one. It's like when you complete that lesson, it's like, okay, now you're ready for the next step. Yeah. So we got to, we got to finish what we start. Right. So that's awesome. So where's Nate today? You go from a sign spinning truck packing guy <laughs> and now you're married with kids, writing books. Talk, talk to me about today. Where's Nate today? Sure. Sure. Well, actually no, no children, but I am married. Oh, I'm sorry. Married. Sorry about that. Yeah. It's all good. So I, yeah, I, I decided like three years ago, it's like, I went through all of this and I, I think I learned a lot of things that kind of isn't presented in, in, in the way that's really going to resonate with people. So three years ago, I wrote a book uh, about everything we just talked about, but I, I, I dive a lot deeper into the kind of the lessons I learned and the practices I did. And around the same time, I actually met the woman of my dreams. And after about two and a half years of dating, or uh, sorry, just two years of dating, I proposed to her. She said yes. And, and after two and a half years, we got married and we're living in, now we're living in Golden, Colorado. And now I've decided like, I want to thrive on in an even bigger way by, by talking about what I went through and writing about it. And yeah, that's, that's why I'm as happy for you to invite me on your show. Oh, absolutely. Now, are you working for someone now? Are you on your own publishing company? What are you doing now professionally? I'm on my own. I'm still like, I'm, I'm kind of bridging two worlds. Like I'm writing, actually uh, me and my wife are working on our book ourselves. So I'm writing books and I'm actually still working in the advertising field, but now I'm my own company. So I actually, I was actually able to establish my career enough that I could do that. So I work from living here in Golden and it's, 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 it's actually like we were joking before we hit the record, but it's like, you know, I actually finally enjoy Mondays now. Yeah. Yeah. And for those of you, for those of you who don't know Golden, Colorado, that's the home of the Coors Brewery. Yeah. So whenever you're out there, I'm not even a big drinker, but it's like, oh man, that smells so good. I remember driving through and be like, oh, that smells amazing. <laughs> it's so funny, yeah. <clears throat> All those fields of like wheat and they make it, what do they call hops? They burn the hops or whatever. I don't even know what they do, but I just know it smells amazing. So cool, man. Now, what about where are you headed? Where are you headed? How can we as a remarkable community help you get there? Gosh, I mean, where I'm heading today is spreading the message about what I went through and what helped and helping others. Because, you know, when I wrote when I wrote my book three years or started writing my book three years ago, it was really as though if I could go back to my 25 year old self and just hand him something and say, OK, I know you're reading all this other stuff and listening to all these other people. Just read this. I can't do that. But. I figure I can help a lot of other people by writing the same thing. So um, all like my passion is now about writing what I went through and helping others. So, so that's, and that's why I published the book and it's been out for about uh, uh, four or five months now. Very good. I had her unpause my mic there. Uh, yes. Cool. Now, if people want to get your book, what is the title of the book? Where can they find it? I'll put a link in the show notes, of course. My listeners cool. know that. But if they want to just go ahead and get it right now, where can they go? 
Well, thank you. It's called The Standing Meditation. It's on Amazon. And actually, you know, easiest thing is just go to thestandingmeditation.com. And, and right now, as we talk, that, that forwards right to the Amazon page and they, they could pick it up there. Nice. And then this is going to cover your story, the meditation practice, a lot of what this interview is, but to a deeper level, right? Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, honestly, it's like if we if we talked about this, in what we did in this interview, but I spent like 10 hours just kind of going over thing in like nitty gritty detail. So yeah, I, I poured, I really poured my heart into this book. I, I, I spent, like I said, I spent three years on it and I tell a lot more crazy stories I went through. And and my goal was, can I produce something where if someone's just at, at, at zero, you know, they, they need every question answered. It's like, what, what would I say if I had my chance? So that's how I wrote it. That's awesome. And I'm looking at the cover now. <clears throat> Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen. I'm looking at the cover now and I love the simple but effective art. It's the standing meditation. And out of the M in meditation, it's going yeah. uh, vertical. It has the roots, like that deep roots of a tree like God talks about when your roots are planted deep, you're strong and you're flexible. Mm -hmm. And then in the subtle background, there's the red and black cover and it's got it looks like a tree like if you cut yep. a tree in half you can see the lines beautiful all work man yeah all the oh. years of experience and practice beautiful man i'm gonna get myself a copy i'm looking forward to reading it so all right my friend how would someone get a hold of you if they want to talk with you just have questions if they want to do some coaching maybe what's the best way to reach you well, I also have a, a website where I write and it's naterifkin.com. So it's just my name.com. And that's, that's the best place so they can, you know, get more information. And I, I try and I try and update that pretty often with like tips and strategies like that. Okay. And there's a contact us. Yeah, I, I hope so. And of course there is in my book as well and all that. And I'm on LinkedIn. You just find me on LinkedIn. So awesome. I'm out there. I may be a little hard to get, but I'm, I'm out there. All right. Well, we'll put a link to the show notes. So thank you, Nate, for being here today. It's truly been a fantastic experience and episode. And I don't know if the listeners, is if you saw this, but there's been glitches. We've had literally technology. Storms. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My side, there was a storm and shut us down. Nate's side, I don't know what happened. And so we, my intern, thank you, intern Casey, especially for putting <laughs> yeah. all this thank together. Yeah, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're watching this or listening, intern Casey's the champ, man. He put it all together. And uh, Nate, you truly are a remarkable guy. We love you. If we can help you in any way, let us know. And then to our listeners all over the world, man, don't just listen to this stuff but do it. Do the good. Do the stuff you know you need to do. Repeat it each day like Nate talked about. Just that consistent discipline. And then you'll see yourself changing slowly. Other people will recognize it more, but you'll recognize it eventually. You know, it's like going to the gym. You don't just get buff the first day. It takes time. And then repeat it for life so you can have a great life in this world and the attorney come. So I'm David Pasqualone. This was Nate Rifkin. You are you. We can't wait to hear your remarkable story. So take what Nate says and moreover, take what God says and run with it. So Nate, any final words before we close this episode, brother? Well, thank you. You know, it was an honor to be here. And, and you know, it's like, like we kind of been saying throughout this whole thing. It's really about opening yourself up and you're, you're never alone. You know, if you're with God, you're never alone. Amen. Wow. Beautiful words to close with. Thank you, Nate. I look forward to continuing our friendship. We're going to wrap this episode up, ladies and gentlemen. Listen to it again. Go back and listen to other episodes so you can grow. Share this with your friends, your family, your loved ones. Maybe even share with people you don't love. That way they can grow and become a better person like that kid Nate was, uh, again, heckled by on the street, right? Yeah. So that's it. I'm Dave Pasquale, and thanks for listening to the Remarkable People Podcast. Ciao. The Remarkable People Podcast. Check it out. Remarkable People Podcast. Listen, do, repeat for life.